0: My friends, it's so good to hang with you on another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I have got a twofer for you today that I am just so excited to share. Not only are they fellow females in medicine, they are in my home state of Indiana, and they too are questioning the status quo. All sorts of goodness. So these are partners. Dr. Rachel Holliday and Dr. Lindsay Mora Osby, they are internal medicine peds doc who have broke out of the matrix and saw the code and now loving life on the other side. Not that it's easier, but that the grass really is freaking greener. So get into our conversation. And oh, I do need to mention trigger alert. We do talk about suicidal ideation in this. And if that is too much from you, just go ahead and turn it off and head to the next episode. But for those who have been in this situation and are ready to approach it, this is a really great conversation talking about female physicians and suicidal ideation. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rachel Holliday and Dr. Lindsay moore Ospie.
1: How you doing, friends? We're doing great. We're excited to be here. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Well, so the audience knows these are some fellow Indiana physicians with me. We've been pretty Hoosier happy here on Dr. Me First, so I'm excited to have you guys with me today. Why don't you take turns? Tell a little about yourself and also about the partnership that you guys have recently started.
1: Well, I'll go first. So I'm Rachel Holiday. I initially am from the suburbs of Nashville, Tennessee, went to medical school in Memphis, Tennessee. And then I came to Indianapolis for residency eight years ago. I am board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics. So I came to Indianapolis because we have the largest combined residency program in the country. And then after residency, I went to go work at a federally qualified health center in Indianapolis.
2: Um, and I'm Lindsay Moore Ostby. Um, doctors who knew me in training knew me as Lindsay Moore. Uh, that confuses people. I'm like, it, it's in the name, but it does confuse people. <laughs> and I have lived in the Indianapolis area since second grade. I did my school of medicine at IU and I stayed for residency, also um, internal medicine and pediatrics. And then I left and started the same FQHC, the federally qualified health center that Rachel did. I've been out about nine plus years and Rachel's four years now. Mm -hmm. So we sat next to each other actually in the same little office about three feet or less from each other for several years and basically went through all the different cycles of burnout that kind Mm -hmm. of keep happening. And we really found that we don't always agree on everything and we definitely have individual different points of view. We worked really well in caring for patients together. Like we would hey, can you come take a look at this rash and just reassure mom that you think it's also this? And, you know, we kind of, we worked out of the same hall. So we did a lot of caring for each other's patients and a lot of helping each other out with clinical questions and also not a small amount of helping each other out through the emotional roller coaster that is primary care in the system. We both sort of hit another cycle of burnout at the same time probably your first major burnout in the like attending world, but not my first rodeo because I had several more years. Right about the same time she started realizing that this was terrible and she was drowning. And I was like, yeah, I'm nine years out and I wish I could tell you that I'm going to get faster. But at this point, I'm probably as good or as fast as I'm ever going to be. And honestly, I started to realize I'm as good and as fast as I Ever want to be because the only thing left to cut out is the part about the visit I like talking to my patient, looking them in the eye. And we both started to realize we had to do something different and started searching. That's how this happened.
0: Yep. I love it. And we're going to talk more about your story, which goes into your word about nonconformity. So you guys like had the eureka moments like, oh, you feeling like this? I feel like this too. For sure. And I love how before we got on the recording, you guys had like what I like to call the matrix moment. So talk a little bit about that.
2: It's so funny to us actually that you brought that up because when we were trying to get through our time and like while we were figuring things out and trying to buy time, one of the things we did to get ourselves through was every chance we got, we pulled out the matrix. (laughs) Yeah, and we actually watched clips of it. Yeah, over our quote
1: unquote lunch break, which right. was the fifteen minutes that we got after we were done seeing patients and before we had to see our afternoon patients. If that, we watched yep. the whole movie in fifteen-minute yes. segments. Sometimes
2: <laughs> in the McDonald's <laughs> drive-through when we left for like a minute to get yeah. through the day, we would literally play that and have it going. And we were like, "It is. It's like taking the pill." Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like we. We really started to realize that the system is a lot like that. As doctors, we're really good at jumping through hoops. We spent like decades starting in elementary school on learning how to play the game, how to get the grade, how to do what you have to do just to get to the next stage. I mean, every step we took that's drilled into you, right? You have to just play the game. And supposedly, we've reached the goal. And suddenly realize, you know, great, we don't have any control. This stinks. No control. Yeah. And every time we try to bring up something, we, are, we realized like eventually we are both pretty good at thinking outside the box about nonconformist ideas, about innovation. In fact, when we're told no is when we get most creative because I'm like, but why not? Well, just it isn't done. That. No. Like, why not? I one time kind of raised my voice to my supervisor and said, like, tell me why. Because once we know why not, we can start to say, okay, how can we get this accomplished without breaking the rules, if possible, but in a way that actually is more creative and gets around the why not? Like I've been doing that since I was a kid. It almost killed my mother. You know, they can get through their kid's childhood with a spirited child like me who looked at my mom when I was three. And I said, mom, to her little sticker chart for behavior and reward, and said, mom, I know what you're doing. It's not going to work. And it didn't. If I could do that at three, then gosh, as a grown-up, I can come up with something better than the system and the status quo where we feel like we have to follow the rules.
0: Yeah. So you guys were working next to each other in the office. You were having conversations over Big Macs whenever you could squeeze out a lunch break, (laughs) questioning the status quo. What was that journey like? Was it just making small shifts and changes before you like made the big change or did the big change come pretty quickly?
1: Yes, I can answer that. I have a a background in admin. I was chief resident and I thought to myself, I can make this system better. Yes, you did. So (laughs) I spent, I remember I spent one weekend with some of the other doctors at our clinic writing like a manifesto to our CEO, like a very nice one where Mm -hmm. we kind of like tried to puff him up also. Um, Yeah. And, uh, and we were very clear and like, what our requests were and our requests were things like we would like to see our own patients and not just have this person see this person's patients and whoever we get joy from seeing our own patients, keep the numbers up. That's fine. We want to see our own patients. And uh, I would like a medical assistant and Lindsay would like a medical
0: assistant. (laughs) Any, any,
1: you. And uh, these requests were not met. And we thought they were like very reasonable requests. And uh, we got like talked down to like we were children. How dare, like we are admin and and we went to school to do administrative things. So you little doctor, let me pat your head. You couldn't possibly understand things. And I was so miserable a year and a half ago. And I would have these thoughts where, I felt trapped because this was the only thing that I had ever been trained to do. And I had a hundred thousand dollars of debt left. And I thought to myself, like, oh my gosh, I understand why some why a doctor would want to commit suicide at that point. I wasn't thinking about committing suicide, but I was thinking like this this is how you get there. You feel trapped, you feel like there's no way out. And you think to yourself, I have to keep coming to this place every day for the next 30 years and I don't even want to come here one more day. And so, yeah, I decided that I was going to go work for Trader Joe's and I had the application pulled up and I had a
2: budget and that was <laughs> true story. This She's, is a true story. This is not hyperbole. It was on her <laughs> desk one day. And I was like, Rachel, why is there a Trader Joe's application on your desk? Sweetie, that's not going to pay the loans. Yeah, And she literally looked at me and she was like, I will sell my house. I will move back in with my mother and I will work at Trader Joe's. And I asked her why Trader Joe's?
1: Why Rachel? Because they were happy. Because they smiled at me, because they had conversation with me, and they actually also kind of focus on the customer's health. Mm-hmm. Because they talk to you about the food that you're buying and give you recipe <laughs> ideas, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to focus on people's health. Mm-hmm. I was tired of putting band-aids on people's sick care in just, like eight minutes. In <laughs> eight minutes, just to have them come back to see me in. Oh, not you, me, yeah, Lindsay, in six <laughs> months because they couldn't get in to see us, uh, and then they had three more problems that hadn't gotten addressed. And I was like, right. I'm going to go work at Trader Joe's and mm-hmm. get one of those really nice aprons. That was actually her plan.
2: I meantime was like, you can't leave me. You're kind of keeping me sane. And she's like, hmm, too bad. Around the same time, actually, as much as we laugh, I was also in probably the deepest burnout cycle I'd ever been. I felt incredibly trapped. Like I got what I wanted my whole life. I wanted to be a primary care doctor. Actually, this is like my doctor growing up. And I feel like I'm decent at it. And my patients seem to like me and I love doing it when I connect with people. But I started to realize that I just, I was dreading coming into work. I actually spent a week in the middle of the worst of it around the same time that you had that same feeling. I would get in the car and I would feel totally fine and happy saying goodbye to my kids. And I would start driving. And within a minute or two of being on the road, I would just spontaneously start crying. And I was like, what is going on with me? And one day driving in, right after that started happening, I found myself thinking, gosh, you know, I'm really tired and I was crying. Like my vision's a little bit blurry and it would be really easy to go off the road. This isn't very smart. And literally a second later pops into my head the thought, well, I mean, I don't want to get hurt too bad. You know, I I don't want to be intubated or anything. But gosh, if I just went off the road and got a little hurt, just enough, I would get a break. I wouldn't have to go back, at which point I called my husband freaking out. That freaked him out. And I had to hang up because he was flipping as I'm still driving at this point. I called Rachel. She's already at the office and she like talked me down enough to get me to the office safely. And then we spent the next 45 minutes with me sobbing and her eventually helping calm me down so I could compartmentalize it enough as doctors always do to go on and see the 20 patients that day. And then I think I stayed two or three hours that night doing paperwork as usual. And I just came back the next day and I just kept doing it. And it kind of slowly came on, but I hit the point where I realized this has to stop. This isn't safe. This isn't healthy. I'm as fast as I'm going to get. This is never going to get better. And I really saw, I also felt like I saw why doctors kill themselves at a rate higher than, I mean, I know doctors who have, we both do. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want that to happen to me and my friends at our office. (laughs) So Lindsay met our Morpheus. I did. I did. I, I started literally like, because I have was on some of the physician, like mom's Facebook groups, like PMG. I just started desperately searching thinking is anything out there? I stumbled into Pamela Weibel and her work with physician suicide. And then I stumbled from that onto her ideal medical practice talks and movement. And then from there in her little group heard the words direct primary care. And then I started like joining all these DPC Facebook groups that are physician only, and I started coming back to Rachel, and I would be like, "Rachel, there's this thing called DPC," and she's like, "She would she listen, and then she's like, Lindsay, I really think that this sounds too good to be true. It must be a scam because if it was this, if it was possible to do this, and it was this real, we would all hear about it by now, and we'd never heard about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like showing her these videos by these people like Josh Umber and other yeah. leaders of that movement, and she's like, "No,
1: Mm-mm. yeah."
2: And and what Don't buy the, it. and what these
1: Morpheuses were saying <laughs> uh, is that really the physician patient relationship broke down when we brought third party payers in yep. because they gave us all these rules and that we doctors had to hire all of these extra people in yep. uh, and just it drove up patient volume mm-hmm. and. Uh, you can only really do so much for a person who you don't actually know within an eight-minute period. And so they said that if you get rid of that third-party payer and the patient just pays you directly Mm -hmm. and they pay you a monthly membership fee, which is the basis of what direct primary care is, then you know upfront how much money you're going to make. You can know what your patient panel should be, and you can actually be your own boss, schedule your days, weeks, months around better patient care, which is what you trained your whole life to be okay. able to do. Because every doctor is fine with working hard. We've right. worked hard
2: our whole lives. Which is why when admins sometimes kind of like, it's almost like beating you with the carrot, not dangling it in front of you. Like just work a little harder. And I'm like, no, it's never going to be enough for you. Yeah.
1: Ever. Yeah. And um, I do work hard. Yeah. And th- there were all these different clinics across the country yep. and each one was its own thing. Uh, A commonly repeated phrase is when you see one direct primary care practice, you've seen one direct primary care practice because everybody can make their own um, practice around what makes them happy and what makes their patient happy and um, what can increase their strengths to provide the best care for their patients Um, because every patient doesn't want the same doctor either. So honestly, it's really nice to have all of these not cookie cutter practices Mm -hmm. throughout the
2: country for patients to finally get the doctor and the care that they deserve. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. I just, I want to be able to be the doctor that I was always meant to be for the patients who are supposed to be my patients.
0: And so you guys unplugged from the matrix seven weeks ago. Talk about this. We've
2: been like, we called it for what, like the nine to 12 months before we started planning. Once I met a few DPC doctors in person and I came back to Rachel and I said, Rachel, I met a few of those doctors and she's like, and? And I literally, like quoting myself, looked at her and said, Rachel, they're happy. And she kind of looked at me like, no. And I went to a conference and I'm like, there's more of them, they're happy. We eventually like started making real plans for about nine to 12 months. We've been storing furniture for the office that we find on, you know, eBay and Facebook marketplace in our, in our homes and garages for that whole time. Um, you can get a I mean, you can get yeah. an exam table for like 200 bucks. I'm just, it's a nice one yeah. too. We did Shawshank was we, the plan. I feel like at that point, Shawshank movies yep. got us through. We, yep. we were like Shawshanking our way out, like spoonful by spoonful. That's yeah. what we did. Yeah.
1: Basically <laughs> we didn't get to unplug right away. Nope. Instead we had to see code <laughs> every, (laughs) Everywhere that we went, we uh, met all these doctors and there were so many doctors who actually had not done primary care initially. They had done something else Mm -hmm. because when they were in their training, they just saw all of the problems with primary care, all the paperwork and the lack of continuity. (laughs) And these doctors didn't seem happy. And then they went and either worked in an ER or a hospital or something like that. And then they're coming back around to do primary care because they want to be their own boss to be able to provide the best care for their patients. And when my boss said to me, the reason that they couldn't find more doctors, so I, I would have an ever expanding patient panel, it was, ne- there was never going to be a cap on it. Mm-hmm. He said to me, that's because no one is going into primary care. And I said, yes, they are. They're just not doing it the way that you want them to do. Right. And that was my moment where I was like, "She's done.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I was done sooner than you. She looked at me and she kind of kept saying, You mean, you have fun, but I'm just going to watch this thing. And then it just started happening, but Mm
3: -hmm.
2: it's been hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. This was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I know people, we know people who open solo DPC practices, not with two doctors, just one, and they did it in 90 days. Mm -hmm. Go them. I was not that person. Yeah. But it's, um, it's been so much fun. Yeah. We've been, we've been budgeting like
1: none other. Uh, We have side jobs that we do to help pay our bills for right now because we're trying to build a good foundation. So that Mm -hmm. way we can build a good building, I guess is like a good way to describe
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rachel literally looked and had to get a new laptop the other day. Hers died and she was like, well, all right, I'm gonna eat beans that week. And I was like, okay, (laughs) but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have a full patient panel at this point, obviously. So there's a lot to learn about balancing the day-to-day, but the patients that we do have are amazed. We answer the phone and people always pause and they're like, Hello and I'm like yes this is Dr. Moore. Um, yes, I'm answering my phone. In fact, Dr. Holiday's right here. I'm going to put you on speakerphone. We get to actually like talk to the patients. I can spend I have patients where I've spent 20 minutes on the phone with them for a phone visit. I've also spent 2 hours with someone when they needed it in the room. And every single person is just shocked, honestly, mm-hmm. even patients who, I mean, I'm not soliciting my old patients, but a couple of them found me just a couple, not that many, but literally she looked at me and was like, I've known you for almost nine years. You've been my doctor. I could have, even if I was dying, I wouldn't have been able to get you on the phone before ever. And I said, I know, cause I'm not paid for that. And I couldn't, I'm so sorry, but she's like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. And I'm like, yeah. And you can text me and you can email me. And I usually get back to you pretty quickly. And it's just honestly like it is, it feels too good to be true. Sometimes it's not that there's no stress. I mean, you talk to any DPC doctor who's done this for a long time. And I mean, you can just as easily build your own prison out here as in the system. So you do have to be really mindful. And, but here, if we're talking and we realize that something's sort of not working the way we wanted, we can just talk to each other and fix it. And if we both don't want to do it the same way, I can look at Rachel and say, yeah, I don't want to do it that way. So we both have specialties as well. So we're both med-peds and we do primary care for our main stuff. But Rachel just got board certified in obesity medicine this year. Um, That's a passion of hers, actually. And I have been practicing breastfeeding medicine for six years. Like I had developed a breastfeeding medicine clinic at my old office. I've worked on statewide initiatives. And so we both have like specialty packages that we're coming up with. I'm actually going to start doing at least to start with some zero to three month old newborn, like in-home pediatric packages where I'll just come to you and it'll be a lot more costly than our affordable DPC membership. But, you know, Rachel's like, I don't really want to do that right now. And I'm like, that is totally okay. I can, and you don't have to. And then we just, if I ever don't want to do it, I can just stop.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the amazing thing that you guys are showcasing, not just in your words, but in your life and in your practice is realizing that there are so many ways out of the box. And after you get out of the box, you can keep changing. It's totally okay. Yeah. It's um it's
2: such a mind shift. It's it's not in some ways. I mean, like I said, I literally since I was three have been challenging my mother. I was never a bad kid. I never really did anything. I, I talked back a lot. And I didn't understand why the rules had to be so stupid, but I, you know, I I really just, I never have understood why does it have to be that way? And and we still have to play the game sometimes, right? Like we had to get a prior off for a patient's test the other day, but, but I didn't have to do it for 50 things. And I, you know, we, we didn't have to pay a bunch of other people to then do our jobs for us. I was like, oh, I can take the blood pressure. And it's
1: not just primary care that's leaving the system right now. We also know of surgeons who are yep. leaving the system. And when they're not billing insurance, they actually are driving down the cost of their mm-hmm. surgeries. The Absolutely. biggest example of that is the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which if you go to their website, they will post the cost of the surgery plus the anesthesia plus the, yep. uh, the stay in the facility. Mm-hmm. And that's just amazing because I've tried to get that number for uninsured patients before and you just can't.
0: No, you literally can't. So here's a fun story. Same thing. Fourth-year medical student. My insurance sucked at the time. I got pregnant. I was gonna have to pay cash for my OB care and my delivery and everything. It was like freaking translating the Hebrew Bible, trying to figure out. And the OB's office was like, "We're gonna have to get back. We we have no idea how to quote you." Because I was like, "Well, put me on a payment program," and and it was just so hilarious. Because they kept asking me, they're like, "Well, can't you just get on Medicaid?" And I was like, "No." no, I'm going to pay for this. Like, tell me how much it's going to pay for me to pop out a baby. And they couldn't. It's next yeah.
2: to impossible. It's like you're completely speaking, not a foreign language, but like another like galaxy language. And and then like find that because so much of the medical field, we are so used to these hoops in the system. And uh-huh. we we're, were trained that this is the, this is the this benevolent, is the best way. The altruistic way to do it. You're an unselfish doctor. You stay up for however many hours and the patient comes first. And we believe it. I mean, I got into this field because we we believed that, but it's worked and it's used and it's abused because that makes us gullible and it makes us easy targets for anybody who isn't in it for quote, the right reasons. And honestly, it's why our system is so messed up for patients. Right. It's because doctors didn't stand
1: up for patients. And we were told that it's us not standing up for
2: ourselves, right. but it's us not standing up for our right. patients, and we allowed this to happen. It's actually a conversation that Rachel and I had for a long time when we were when I was sort of more ready for DPC and she wasn't yet. Um, and she's like, "But I want to help patients. I want to help them financially. It's not okay to ask them to pay for these things. I'm just not sure it's right for people." I've had more of like personal interactions with the medical system, like as a patient. And I was like, I'm telling you the system sucks for patients with health insurance too. And when we finally started realizing that like primary care was expensive to train, but it's not expensive to do day to day, I just thought what I did had to be super expensive for everything. It's not, I got a medical exam table for $200. I had my otoscope since I got told I should have one in med school, barely ever used it because work always had one. Anyways, we bought an EKG machine that works fine for 700, you know, You can just you can do deals and find ways to keep a low overhead. We don't charge I mean, our prices for our DPC membership are less than a hundred dollars a month per patient. That's not a lot of money when that includes all of your visits with me. When that includes the fact that we have a client billing relationship with a major lab draw company that they give us 90% plus wholesale discounts because we pay the lab and the patient pays us. We can save patients a lot of money if we just think outside the box. So it's not selfish. And that was a huge outside the box moment for me. I'm not selfish for wanting to find another way. I'm not turning my back on patients. I'm not not wanting to help someone. Heck, when we get to the point where we have enough patients, you know what, if we want to donate 10% of our services or discount them to $5 a month for someone, guess who gets to decide that? Us too. I can work harder and take on more patients as long as it doesn't harm the rest of our practice and keeping it small for the other patients, Mm -hmm. we can choose to do it our way. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I don't know, it's very liberating. Yeah.
0: Well, you guys, I am so excited to be a fly on the wall and to continue on with your journey. I am so excited that we met. I wish we had met sooner so I could help coach you through all of this. I know. We might have gotten out faster, but that's Okay. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you would have because I would have been pushing on you a little bit. But I'm so glad that we bonded over the matrix (laughs) and being outside the box, and that you're giving a view to other female physicians that it's, it's not evidently DPC that you're saying is the answer. It's just finding your own answer and pursuing it. Yes.
2: DPC is an amazing option of an answer. It is a grassroots, innovative, non conforming physician. Led movement to take back medicine from corporate third party bullshit. bullshit. I will too. Um, I'll say it for you. So I don't have to say it as often anymore. It's very fun, but I don't need to swear. She's like, you don't swear as as much as you used to. And I'm like, I know I'm happier. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't need to, but DPC is an amazing option. And even within DPC, there are people doing it differently, like different prices points, to different services, peds only, adults and kids. There's a lot of options even in that movement, but you can get away from it. Mm-hmm. It's an option. And if you start exploring, honestly, be a little careful because once you see that matrix, you cannot unsee it. Yeah. You have to change something. You yeah.
0: will. Once you take the pill, it's over. <laughs> you will forever. Exactly. Be it's a matter of time yeah.
1: at that point. Yeah. So you better be ready for it. Yeah. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, ladies.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yay! What a great conversation. I really have loved getting to know these ladies, to support them in their journey, and just to see how they're freaking going to blossom in the future. So keep it up, ladies you got this. Let's get into my kick of encouragement today. And it is five ways to realize how you can get out of the matrix, how you can get out of the box. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Number one, acknowledge that you are not crazy. No, (laughs) you're seeing it, we're seeing it. The stuff that we are putting up with is loco. But you are not crazy. It again is that whole round peg square hole phenomenon where you feel like you just don't fit. And I just wanna remind you, it's okay, you're not crazy. Two, you are not alone. There are others of us that are feeling this exact same way and medicine can be so isolating. You know, we stay in our little silos. We don't get outside of our office, our hospital system, our town. But that's the great thing about social media and podcasting and community building outside of physical location is that you realize you really are not alone in this. So push back on that mean girl in your head who says that it's only you. Three, your ideas are perfectly valid. Let me say that again. Your ideas are valid. So many times I have discounted myself because I thought, oh, that's stupid. Nobody needs that. How do you know? Like you haven't put it out into the world. You don't know. It's still on your head. And so I think it's amazing to have these type of guests who come on and show what is possible and what they are doing so that you know that your ideas that you have absolutely valid as well. Four. It's not easy, but you get to pick your hard. No matter what you do, it's not going to be easy. Let's just get past that. But it is so important to recognize that either you can stay in the hard of grinding and unhappiness and discontentment, or you can move into the hard of changing all of that, going to the edge of uncertainty and unknowing, but yet still pushing through. Going to the heart of, of maybe not having as much security as what you used to have, but knowing that you're gaining so much more on the other side. So I encourage you, pick your heart. And five, there is so much more available to you than what you have right now. There are so many resources, friendships, connections, paying opportunities. So don't get trapped in the thought that this is the only thing that I can do. So let me go through those five again. You are not crazy. You are not alone. Your ideas are valid. It's not easy. So pick your heart and there's so much more available to you.
3: Guys,
0: Doors are opening soon for my next burnt out to badass group. I'm so excited. And did you know that the group is now lifelong? So if you join now, you get to stay in it forever, or at least until you decide when to leave. So this group consists of female physicians and other women in high performing professional careers who are ready to tell burnout to suck it and ready to reclaim that inner badass that they are. The class provides weekly support as we work through the Burnt Out to Badass course curriculum in addition to a whole bunch of other fun stuff. I mean, we mingle, we build community, we talk, we answer questions, you get lots of fun bonus material, merchandise. I mean, come on. And did I forget to mention lifelong membership? I would love to invite you into it. I think it's a great opportunity to get everything that you need in one place and a little Aaron Wiseman sass with that as well. So think about it. Get in here. Join us in the Burnt Out to Badass group. Link is in the show notes. Don't put it off anymore. All right. Well, that's it for today. Remember, my friend, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.